1: Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on
2: Score North and ScoreNorth.com.
0: It is Purple Daily time. Phil on assignment today, so he's not around, but who needs him? It's Zolgad. Declan is always executive producing things. And our draft expert, every Tuesday we bring him in to recklessly speculate about what might happen in the April draft for the Vikings. Thor Eystrom. Draft analysts also find his work at fantasy pros and betting pros. Thor does a great job. Nobody more knowledgeable about the draft than Thor. What's up, my friend? How are you? How you doing, boys? Good to talk with you. Good to talk with you, too. Let's start here. Uh, This actually came up um, on the show on Monday, and we we threatened to carry the thread to this show, so it makes perfect sense to go through with that thread. Um, Edge rushers. So... We, of course, saw the highly speculative, recklessly speculated, but accurate news that Zadarius Smith's house is on the market, which might lead one to believe that he's not coming back in 2023. Daniel Hunter's in a contract situation that hasn't been addressed yet, but I think it will be starting next week at the Combine. I think he's back, but I'm not sure on that one. And so what we talked about was uh, because one of the mocks that we did I think it was the first one in 17 that we've done, Thor, gave the Vikings an edge rusher in the first round of the mock. Two questions off that. One, do you see that as being realistic? And two, if we're talking about three, four edge guys, how deep is this draft as far as that being an option, especially when you potentially are going to get into the 20s in the first round?
1: To the first question about how realistic it is, I would say at at this moment i wouldn't i wouldn't say super duper uh just because of the other uh holes that you have um between the other ones on the defense, obviously the cornerback one being first and foremost on that list, and then some of the sneaky ones on offense uh Judd you and I have talked about the receiver one uh I think you and I might be higher on that idea than some of the other vikings fans, but um, you know, you and I would advocate for that. We'll see what the front office thinks. Uh, as far as the edge rusher thing, we'll have to see what they do with those two guys. Obviously, if, if both of them were gone, that would change the equation. But um, if if it's just Zadarius, one of the interesting things about Flores' system is they can find guys in niche roles where you can get them later on and sort of plug and play uh, with them. Uh, and we can get into this as we go, but Flores has done a really good job with his edge rushers during his career of being able to work with guys of different skill sets and 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 plug them in into his system along the edge. Guys that are big, guys that are smaller, guys that are uh, solid in coverage, guys that are pure uh, pass rushers, guys that are um, n- not as pure uh, pass rushers, but guys that are awesome at setting the edge. He's really good at finding what you're good at, allowing you to do that, and then getting you off the field when it's you know, when when it's your weakness that's gonna come to the fore, and then getting a guy in that's going to be better suited for that situation.
2: So Thor, too, if if one of those guys is gone, um, to your point, yeah, I mean it, it does change the equation if both are gone, but if one are gone and the Vikings also lack that second round pick so let's say let's say everything stays pad here, right? They select someone at 23, they don't move back into the second, they don't trade out of the first, so they don't have that extra pick, right, coming until uh, the third round. Is that too far of a gap to potentially find a starter on the edge? Like, how deep is this class going into, you know, kind of the later parts of day two?
1: Judd, I'm sorry, I, I didn't hit uh, part two of your You're question. It, it is deep. Uh, it, the trenches, to me, in this class, you got the cornerbacks, the defensive backfield, but specifically the cornerbacks, and specifically the long outside uh press man boundary corners, and then you have the trench play uh both the the interior defensive lineman and the edge rushers, and probably m- more specifically the edge rushers, and then the offensive linemen as well to me that's where this class is led by the strengths of it um and and the edge rushers. It is a deep class. you have the guys at the top, of course that that the general public people listen to this you 've heard the names will anderson you've been hearing about for multiple years because the guys started going ballistic like two years ago on the Alabama teams that were making the playoffs everything like that but it does go deep like deep deep we've had other guys that have jumped up to the top like Tyree Wilson the kid the the super duper long kid like he's got like inspector gadget limbs this guy's just super I love that I love long players Oh, he's he's so freaking long. He's gonna get he's gonna get his hands out, even if he's standing out there at the second level or whatever. But he jumped, you know, from Texas Tech, he's gonna go in the top ten. You have guys like that, but when you get into day two to your to both your guys a question, you're gonna be able to find a guy, I think, especially with the way the Flores does things, that can come in and play immediately if the Vikings need to say, plug the hole of, of Zadarius opposite Daniel Hunter. I don't think you can do it early day three. But in the scenario of, say, trading down from from day one, picking up an extra day two pick, or if, you know, we've been talking about, you know, if you trade dealing, you trade Delvin, you know, some of these different things, picking up extra uh, mid-round picks, if you can pick up another day two pick, I think that's where you could find one of these edge rushers that could fit in pretty quickly uh, and play quickly in Flores' system.
0: So, Thor, I feel like we have these discussions, and they're fun, about the draft upcoming. But it's sort of weird. We have a tendency as football fans and football people to sort of dismiss previous drafts, okay? So, first of all, a year in, and this is a big if, if they can stay on the field, okay? How viable are, are Andrew Booth and Caleb Evans as far as as popping back up and actually being part of a solution in 2023? Because I feel like we sort of forget them. And look, Booth was, was I think, a, a consensus in the mocks first-round pick, who, because of injury concerns, fell to the second round, proved to be absolutely correct. But are we forgetting the, those guys a little bit too much in our conversations? Not that they wouldn't take a corner in the first round, but, I mean, there's, there's needs here at the slot corner. There's needs here at the outside. So just to circle back to 2022, um, what type of possibilities do you think that those guys have to emerge as viable uh, um, uh, regular players next season?
1: Yeah, I I agree with your point, both from the outside and, and also from the, the Minnesota fans. Yeah, because you you didn't see much. And, and I mean, you didn't mention the safety, but also Louis seen as well. Absolutely. You, did, you didn't see these guys. But then also when you did, you saw some struggle bus going on, you know, spe- specifically with Booth. Whenever he was on the field, it was sort of, you were sort of averting your eyes and stuff like that. And there's a tendency with football fans, Judd and Dex, you know where I'm going with this, where if a guy struggles in his first year, you're just like, oh, he's a bust, right? Like we we don't yes. like as human beings, you know, <laughs> sort of having to wait on the referendum. We want we want to be able to say like, oh, he's this or she's that, right? Like we we want the answer in our head like the 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 idea of like waiting it out and the progression of the development and stuff like that we we don't like that as much but your your point is really well taken and especially on these guys where when they were taken and we've talked about this a lot quasi his first draft go, going back to last day bro a lot of times he was taking these guys you mentioned booth where he had the first round uh, the late first round uh, sticker com, com, coming into the um you know in, 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 into the event Mm -hmm. He drops down into where the Vikings got him because of some of these questions on his eval, but it it, it was about the, the cost certainty, right? He had the high ceiling. It was the low floor was the reason that he fell. So he was a riskier asset, but the high ceiling remained. That was the reason why he had the grade that he did. Year one was always going to be the precarious thing. Like he wasn't going to give you a ton in year one because you had to work through some of those foibles that we've talked about. The thing of like, the riverboat gambler thing and, and, and like sort of re- refining his, his instincts, you know, where where they could just be like totally wonky and stuff like that. Year one was never going to be great for him. But if if you can refine some of those things, we'll see if the light goes on and then you might have a really good starter. But I, I think your point is really well taken because those, you cannot just say those guys are bust right. because they struggled in a year when you would have said coming in that they were going to struggle anyway.
2: Thor, not to put you on the spot a little bit, but back on the defensive ends, because I've seen this guy mocked um, on round threes, round twos, basically a day two pick, um, and Gopher fans might be a little bit familiar with him, Lucas Van Ness in Iowa. Yeah. Um, A guy who who was, I believe, only a two-year player there at Iowa, so you know, there's some raw talent, but he's a freak of nature athlete. Uh, Your assessment on him, obviously a Big Ten guy, Gophers fans know him, What, what, what would be the chances of Lucas Van Ness landing here, and would you be a fan of that pick?
1: So I'm a huge fan of Lucas Van Ness. You know, as you guys know, I, I went to Iowa. I'm, the people that watch, they see all my Iowa stuff in this. I hope you guys don't hate me for it, watching at home, that my Iowa stuff. My wife's from there, so don't. Oh, good, don't, good. She grew up a Hawkeyes fan. Yeah, the, so I love him as a player. And so I, I don't want my, my next comments to, like, you know, be be opposite of or be taken as the opposite of that. I don't think he's a fit for the Vikings. And the re, the reason for that is – I view him as more of a, a prototypical 4-3 uh, defensive end and and less so of a fit for Flores' system in particular. And in addition to that, the import of where, of essentially of what he's going to cost on that that last Thursday night of April, I think it just goes higher than what the Vikings are going to be able to pay when you consider that they have the five picks total and and they don't have the second round pick. So, but like I, I love his game. He's he's basically he's a. Do you guys remember uh, AJ Apanessa when he was coming out, also out of Iowa, um, like a a hybrid edge where the 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 strength was power, like n- no pun intended. Where the 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 Big Ten offensive tackles they just couldn't handle that, and you could shift them inside and do all sorts of interesting things with them. You could really, uh, on all four downs, you could just, you know, like one down, you could go, you could move him to the left, then you could move him to the left. Like, he, he could literally play every every single spot or whatever. Van Ness is a guy who was coalescing, coalescing, coalescing. Every single week, you would see him get better and better and better throughout those two seasons. And that's why you started to see in December, January, and, and now in, in February, the the chatter is increasing, increasing, increasing with him. And I think it's it's getting to this sort of fever pitch heading into the combine because there's some people that are assuming that, that he's going to go ballistic with it, um, athletically gifted or whatever. Um, but w- we'll have to see about that. I just don't think he's a schematic fit for the Vikings, and I think that the price tag is going to be a little high. That's because, Thor, the,
0: the draft is an unknown. The draft is uncertain. But you know what's not, Thor? That is the help that my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers can give you. If you want to drop weight, folks, I've got the answer. It's not unknown. It's as simple as a phone call. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. L-I-V-E-A.com. This is a place that was voted the best weight loss program in the entire state. And join today. You're going to get eight weeks free. A year plus ago, I dropped 40 pounds. And the most important thing is this they help you keep the weight off. Their dietitians do a fantastic job. I mean, it's like ha- having your own your own sports dietitians because you drop the weight and then you keep that weight off. Join today. Again, 8 weeks free 855 go l i v e a livia.com is the place to go. Thor, Thor uh, go ahead and jump. Oh, oh I, I was just going going to say so on to my next qu- uh, question Thor. Um and and it's this You talk about the five picks. So it's four picks plus a compensatory pick for the loss of Tyler Conklin that's going to be awarded here uh, to the Vikings, I believe, in the coming weeks. When we talk about this, all right, so let's deconstruct this from a realistic standpoint. When you look at this draft, if your DM going into this draft, looking at it, with a realistic point of view, do you say, Oh my God, I got to get more picks. This draft is deep and really good. Or do you say if we're ever going to have five picks, this is a draft because you, you can get by with five. Uh, I Childress did that a few times. Rick Spielman, you know, couldn't do it, couldn't stand it. But where do you think this draft ranks as far as five picks is, is this a got to get to eight or nine draft or you know what? Five's not great. But this is a draft where five's
1: okay. This is a fascinating question. I love this question. And and the reason why is because Viking specific wise, I would want more picks because you, you have the holes and you don't have the cap room to fill them all in the way that you would want. Plus you have the coaching change, you know, some of the schematic stuff, you would want new flavor at some of these positions as well if you had your druthers. But on the other hand, it's not the best draft. It's just not. Um, But some of those positions, you know, like we were talking about before, some of the positions that the Vikings need, those are some of the deeper ones, right? Like, you know, we we talked about the, the defensive front, defensive edge. Uh, the, the defensive backfield, some of those ones. So so maybe it's at, at like situationally in, in some of those, you know, that's where we we really go three-dimensional chess with it, you know, if we're, if we're in the war room or whatever. But it's it's not the best class or the deepest class. And in part of it, you know, people are wondering, like, why? It's not just like a blip on the radar or whatever. It, it has to do with NIL. This is one of the first years, you know, that where they've done the NIL or whatever. A ton of players, metric ton of players went back to college because the the NIL, the boosters at their college were writing them checks as big or bigger than, than their their agent or their representative could project that they were going to get in the draft process. Like a bigger example of this is like Bo Nix at Oregon, like their quarterback. Like he got paid more by Oregon to go back to school than he was going to get. Michigan, the Wolverines, they actually have – their NIL collective is named, I believe, one more season, and they only focus on the senior guys or the junior guys that are thinking about leaving, and then they just give them what they think that they could get in the draft to try to entice them to come back. That's the reason why this draft class is smaller, just in terms of sheer size. So it's not quite as deep as, as some of these things that we've seen in the past. But again, at some of these positions, it is.
2: Uh, Thor, on another edge guy, if this guy does end up falling to 23, I, I see some mocks and mostly have him going on as a mid-first-round pick. And this guy, I think would—I'm going to assume here, and you tell me if I'm wrong— but would fit Flores' system really well, and that would be Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech, right? A, a guy mm-hmm. who's a linebacker he can rush off to. Um, is that an if that guy ends up falling to 23, is that a no brainer pick for the Vikings for you?
1: Probably, yeah. Yeah. Like the projectability with him to, to go into the football dictionary again is really, really high. <laughs> like, you know, Cause he he's the inspector gadget that the stretched out like the, the guy where you just don't get dimensions like that. Like God only makes so many human beings with those dimensions. <laughs> and when he was playing, he was ludicrously productive this, this past season. Now he, he did get injured. He only had the partial season. You're going to have to check on the medicals and it's unfortunate. You only sort of got the, the truncated last season or whatever. Um, the, I also don't believe that he's going to be testing in Indianapolis, which is unfortunate, but the tape shows, you know, the tape measure shows the length, the tape shows the athleticism. So you're probably just going to have to trust that. But to your, to your point. Yeah. I mean, if he fell down and there is a shot, he falls a bit. I don't, I don't, I don't see a scenario where he got all the way down, but he does. Um, how, how would you say this? He he's uh, the defender in, in the first round where he probably has the, biggest band of outcomes where you could see him going as high as you know four or five but you could i mean I, you could see him falling into the teens for sure and who knows like if if it if, if it's a bad day for it or that like the, things just fall wrong for him he might fall through the cracks a little bit and maybe be available there and and, and i agree with you at that point yeah the vikings they wouldn't really have a choice it'd be the universe dictating their pick for him turning the card in for him
2: so one more for me here thor uh is flores kind of looking for like these hybrid guys that are linebackers that can drop in coverage linebackers that can rush the quarterback like is that the type of linebacker that flores is looking to target and kind of cultivate and help turn around this vikings defense
1: as, as, are you talking about the edge rushers yeah Yeah, like, so as as far as that, like, what what I noticed with the the Patriots ones at the the latter portion of his run there, and then the the couple Dolphins seems he had, is he's so malleable to what he works with. Like, you know, with, with the Patriots, he had the Trey Flowers guy, and Trey Flowers is, he's not the most athletic dude. But it's super hard to push him back. Like he, he's really good at, at setting the edge. And then he's he's like a bull rusher guy. You know, that, that that's where he makes his work in, in the pass rushing game. But then he's also worked with like these sort of niche, undersized three, four outside rushing uh linebackers, you know, that that kind of a thing. But he's also done the thing of like the the guy where he's just more or less good in, in dropping back in coverage uh and, and different stuff like that, and then speaking to the off ball thing, uh, a guy like Jerome Baker was a guy that he used uh, uh in Miami who's sort of similar ish to uh Brian Asamoah. but like um stick you know go, going back to the edge thing I, I think the whole point is where they can get the value I, I think is where they can sort of mix and match this thing on the outside Deniel hunter is is not so dissimilar to a guy that that they had, that flores had drafted in the first round in one of his last years in Miami and Jalen Phillips, that he works just fine for the scheme. If, if Zadarius is gone, I, I guess what I would think is going to happen on the other side is something that happened at the end of Miami at Miami on the other side, where they were platooning. And you had one guy who was better as just sort of a pure edge rusher. And then the other guy was more of like the hybrid where, you know, it was like, he was a little bit better against the run. He was a little bit better dropping uh, back into coverage and so you you would just sort of mix and match them and platoon them situationally in that way. I guess that's what I would assume would happen here because you can also then, if you do it that way, you're going to be able to save on the cost as opposed to sinking uh, more resources into the one player to plug that hole.
0: All right, speaking of that then, um, and this is probably get, getting to a point where a decision can be made on this guy, but I'm very curious uh, at, at least to give him another season before that decision is made. Patrick Jones. Patrick Jones from Pitt looks the part. Uh, he, he's the o- only surviving, I think, third-round pick of, what, three or four that Spielman took a couple of years ago. Uh, I have heard – I heard early on that Vikings officials loved him in practices, that they thought he was great in the OTAs a couple of years back as well. Um, and when you see him play, like the physical size, it, it works. Like you see him and think, okay, this guy looks the part. What do you think Brian Flores can unlock there? Because I will say this about Donatel. He doesn't take all of the blame, but I don't feel a guy's necessarily developed with him. So when it gets to Patrick Jones, what could we look for potentially? Because I, I feel like if the body can fulfill the expectations, Thor, that there is definitely something there. Do you agree with
1: that? Uh, I agree that that was one of your great understatements that you've ever (laughs) said on on the show. And yeah, yeah, I do. Um, And and Judd, and it's not just the the lack of development. I, I think the other thing was not using the players correctly situationally. And I think, oh, sorry, that that's actually Ed. That's right it. there. Yeah. your phone yeah. blowing up with He's, sources. <laughs> it's Ed, come on. I like I, I need to criticize you right now. But the uh, um not using the players correctly situationally, and I think that for Patrick Jones is as topical to the development thing because I think if you use Patrick Jones situationally correctly, I think you can unlock him as well. Like Patrick Jones is not an every down player. I like I I don't think that's you know, shooting any strays his direction. But sure. I think you can you can squeeze a lot of juice out of that orange if you use him correctly situationally. We saw the flash plays last year, right? Like, there were some games where, like, I, you know, I remember talking to you guys where it's like, oh, Patrick Jones. You know, it was like yes. three or four different, you know, you know, Mondays where it'd be like, wow, did you see Patrick Jones yesterday? And, and, and again, going back to Flores, you, you know, all these differences between Flores and, and, and Ed Donatel. Flores is really good at using players situationally. Like he's going to look at each individual player and be like, you know, it's, it's going to be like a checklist. What are they good at? How can I use them situationally? How can I, and what are they bad at? What, what, where will I never use them at all? And then he, that's how he's going to mix and match the, the situational stuff The the guy has so many different play calls, the blitz calls, the, the exotic uh, coverages, everything like that for this situation, you know, the, the offense and the strategy, and whatnot. And so based on that, that's how you have your defensive personnel. And if you have all this mix and match defensive personnel, where it's like you know the the flavor of their game, that's how you can start using these guys correctly uh, situationally. One of the things that infuriated us about Ed Donatel, it was like, oh, this is my scheme, so why would I change anything? And it was the same thing with the player usage. It's like, right. oh, why would I? Why would I amend that? It's like, well, Ed, you could. You, you you you're the coach you're the one who's supposed to be doing that with with Flores we're going to see that and with the, the situation of Patrick Jones I, I think he's going to be used in such a way that is going to elevate him by using him situationally like that
0: the first red flag no question about it was seen because of the fact that when when you showed up for the first training camp practice and they had decided in the off-season workouts that Cam Bynum was the guy. It's like, that's not how you coach, dude. That's a first-round pick. And, and Unless he's a bust. Unless you just think he sucks. Which, by the way, he's a first-round pick, so that's a problem, too. So I, I thought that that was, that was always a red flag to me of the intentions. Because it's basically the opposite of how O'Connell coaches, which is find ways to use guys. Not find ways to bury guys on the bench. And, and you know, keep in mind, seem didn't get hurt till uh, four weeks in. Um, all right. So we are on the precipice. We are nearing the eve of one of the great National Football League events, Thor. So I want to ask you right now: the combine. Uh, pe- people probably start to arrive in, in Indianapolis. What on Sunday or Monday? Um, there's always behind-the-scenes stuff where it gets going, and then I believe the media arrives around Wednesday or Thursday. But this is a week-long fiesta of football. Yeah. What are you? What are you most looking forward to to set this thing up? uh as as this thing begins because this is this is where there's always a seismic shift of sorts this is where we hear names for the first time as being legit and and now i know pro days now have become incredibly important too because guys elect not to do all of the stuff especially quarterbacks throwing at the combine but what are you licking your chops about when it comes to the combine next week
1: it's so like from the the perspective of like the um the the draft itself, and then the the fan part of it. It's it's sitting there at night and watching the tests because you get so much data and it comes in in waves. You know, like you're mentioning the pro days, you, you get like you know four or five pro days per day when when the spring starts up. You know, and, and you get them like sort of piecemeal as you go. But like with the combine, when you know each individual day, it just comes in in waves once once those tests start. So it's just so much usable data for my spreadsheets it's like it sort of just you know populates up it's like my spreadsheets reach its singularity like dur- during those days or whatever um and then you know as far as like the the media thing it's it's the information you get that's not the testing is the thing that excites you you know it's talking to your other media brethren it's it's bumping into the scouts the the coaches you know the personnel people the prospects uh, both at the podium thing but also when you bump into them, you know, outside the convention center and different stuff like that. And then the things that you glean from those conversations, and then you might get a piece of information from this guy. Then you might bump into another guy and say, Hey, you know, you know what that guy told me Then maybe that guy gives you a piece of information, then you go tell that guy. So then you just, you know, you sort of build it up like that and you might find out some interesting things.
0: What's the best, uh, not to name names and sources, but what's the best piece of information you've gotten there? Like like, what's a tell that you didn't know about a player or you didn't even that, that was not on your radar necessarily that was just a
1: piece of information that you gleaned that just helped you immensely i've gotten I've gotten some specific team uh matches to prospects that I probably shouldn't say about like we're we're interested we're like we're this is the pick where we're targeting this guy um like different stuff like that I've also. I probably shouldn't say this one too. I've I've gotten a a couple ones of like this kid, uh, this kid's off our board for. uh, Oh yeah, red dot. Yeah, there's there's and sometimes it'll be something where maybe you wouldn't you wouldn't have been that punitive, you know, where like a team maybe they perceive something that is disqualifying for their you know the idea of their employment. They're like, oh, you know, this kid did this, so we you know we're not interested in him. But, uh, you know, other times it's like something that you didn't hear about. And then other times you're tracking down something that you heard that turns out not to be true. Like there, you know, a couple of years ago, there was, there's rumors about a kid that like, uh, activity, like off the field. Like, I don't want to get into it because I, I, couldn't cooperate it. But, uh, but anyhow, like, you know, I was trying to track that thing down. You're, you're asking all these different people about it. And, and it's like, well, no, it doesn't look like, like that's true. So it's it it's all that sort of stuff, and that's why it's important to get all those different people in the the same place, you know, because you you the media from the media trying to track that stuff down, but then also for the NFL because they they get those people in rooms, they just ask them the question face to face,
0: fifteen minutes. The incredible thing is is this too, to your point, the amount of of um, targeted lies that are put out that aren't true to try and scare teams off. That's one of the most interesting. Like that—that's an entire story. Is yeah. how much how much non-information information is planted by teams who want to draft a guy but think he won't fall, and so they they purposely target him as being a problem child, and it's not true. That's, that's the a, damnedest thing.
1: That's a great point too. Yeah, because you you hear things and direct things from people that are affiliate employees of teams where you you have to think about it uh, whether you want to write it or not, and sometimes you make the decision not to because it's like why is this dude telling me this? Sometimes it's too easy, right? Like the answer that you got is too easy. It's like, wait, wait a second. Why, why, why'd you tell me that? Um, And, and for the reason that Judd said, like sometimes they're trying to get something out there and it turns out that they're using you for that because they want to be seen as not being interested in this guy. They want to take this guy's stock down a little bit, you know, in hopes that he falls down to him. Like whatever, that, that, that's real. Get ready for one incredible night of rock. With Static X.
2: And Seven Dust. Machine Killer North American Tour. Saturday, May 18th, Myth Live. With special guests, dope, and lines of loyalty. Tickets on sale now at MythLive.com or Etix.com. Don't miss Static X and Seven Dust.
0: All right, Dex, let's mock. Three we mock,
2: boys? Let's do this here. Let's, let's mock. Uh, let's mock it up. All right. I want to
0: mock. Mock. All
2: right, I'm going to flash this on the screen here, fellas. So I'm going to get this full screen for you as well, if I can uh, do that here. All right. So I have an idea here. I don't know if anyone can see this for our YouTube audience. Let's do a little proposed trade with the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, that's where I'm going to start here. Because the Vikings would get, in this scenario, and I'll lay it out for the podcast audience. So the Vikings and Bengals would swap first round picks. So Minnesota would drop to 28. They would then get the Bengals' second round pick at 60. And I believe the fourth round pick at pick 131. So the Vikings would get 28, 60, 131. They would give up pick 23. Pick 119 from the Lions in the Hawkinson trade. As well as a twenty twenty five second round pick. Do we have any naysayers on this podcast to that proposed trade? PFF says this trade will likely be accepted. Are we good with the parameters of this trade before we start this mock?
1: So we're moving back five spots. We're getting the sixtieth pick and the twenty eighth pick. Yep. Oh, the twenty eighth pick, but we're we're yes. getting the sixtieth pick in exchange for that. Yeah, okay, and we only have to give up the future. The second round pick in a couple of years. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they would. Yeah. Right, I'm good.
2: The Vikings would. Vikings would give up the one nineteenth, the twenty third pick in this year's draft, and they would give up the twenty twenty five second round pick. And then Let's yes, they'd it. move down five and get a second round. So we're good with that. I'll offer this All trade. Like
1: Let's
2: do it. All right. Offering the trade. Trade's accepted. Done. All right. Let's start this draft. We'll go a little slow on this one. We'll see what happens. So okay. uh, Jalen Carter on the board. So off the board. Bryce Young. Devin Witherspoon. Will Levis. I'll pause after five. Okay. So, first five picks in this draft. Jalen Carter to the Bears. Bryce Young to the Texans. uh, Devin Witherspoon to the Cardinals. Will Levis to the Colts. Will Anderson Jr., to the Seahawks at pick five no
0: no big I, I, surprise do have, there, right? I do
1: have a little tidbit for you guys okay uh, speaking of information uh there was the the press conference recently with the Colts and the owner of the Colts the Earsay guy he he started name dropping Bryce Young a bunch you know like oh that kid from Alabama he's really interesting what I thought was interesting about that is and I might have mentioned this on on this show we know that the Colts uh size threshold for quarterback is six foot one Bryce Young is going to measure in at five ten, uh, probably, and oh. so it was like, wh- why are they bringing him up? It was like, and Jim Airsay, we know is crazy, so it's yep. like, is he is he trying? You know, whatever. I heard that uh the, the Colts front office they like Will Levis, who is the guy that that is is being mocked there. But I also heard that the new coach they hired, that guy, was it from Philadelphia or whatever. Um, and, and, and I have not independently cooperated this. So this is true, reckless speculation. This is, this is, this is secondhand. I heard that he likes CJ Stroud. So I don't think anybody in the, in the, at least from, as it's been relayed to me, uh, in the Colts building likes Bryce Young. It does appear that, that was just putting that out there to be a, be a troublemaker. And it, it, for them, it it is going to come down to Levis and Stroud. It looks like
0: genius, man. I love that stuff. That's great. All right, Let's resume this
2: draft. Lions on the clock. They take Tyree Wilson, C.J. Stroud of the Raiders. There he is. Yep. Anthony Richards to them. Quinton Johnson to the Panthers. Alright, so picks 6 through 10. Tyree Wilson to the Lions. So the Wilsons mm-hmm. actually get the edge right? from Texas Tech we just asked Thor about. Uh, back-to-back quarterback. Stroud goes to the Raiders. Anthony Richardson goes to the Falcons. Thor, themes. it seems like Richardson's stock, at least in the last like weak and especially a lot of these mock drafts is not just like, Hey, maybe a mid first round pick. This guy's going in the top 10. It seems like in a lot of these mocks,
1: it it really does. Yeah. And we've talked about how his floor is almost assuredly Washington, but yeah, it it does seem like the, the, at the moment it does look like he's going to get into the top because there's so many quarterback needy teams. Then we look at the draft last year when so few teams took a quarterback in the first two rounds. Well, what's what's the manifestation of that? There's going to be more teams the next year that are going to be looking to take a quarterback early.
2: All right, we'll resume this draft. We'll, uh, we'll fly through these next picks here. So Texans are on the board. Jets are on the board. Can I speed this up? No, I can't. All right, so Patriots, Packers. Who did the Packers take? Packers. It would be
1: fascinating if that Kalijah Kansi Aha. went in there. What, what, what did he go number 12 in this thing or 13? That that kid is like, he's a defensive tackle from Pitt. He's like six foot 280. It would be fascinating if if a kid that small at that position went number 13. But he's about as explosive as they get at that position. So it'll be interesting where he ends up going.
2: By the way, Lucas Van Ness, we also asked Thor about, goes to the Packers at pick 15.
1: Oh, man, I don't want to see him go to the Packers. So he goes you know, to the Packers. Now you're going to have to root nice against Thor. That's thing before. we want to see. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> All right, here we go. So we're going to fly up to the Vikings pick here. We are on the clock, fellas. So pick 27 off the board before, just so we're clear here. Uh, Antonio Johnson, the safety went to the Bills. Uh, Will McDonald, the edge, went to the Cowboys. Nolan mm-hmm. Smith, another edge to the Giants. Uh, Deontay Banks, quarterback, Joey Porter Jr., to the Bengals. We facilitated this trade with. So that means the Vikings are Man, on. Man, there's the some clock. wonky
1: picks in front of us. Yeah,
2: there are. All yeah. Right, so best players available so far. We got, uh, looks like, Danton Kincaid from Utah. Uh, Bijan Robinson uh, from Ooh. Texas, the uh, the halfback. A lot of tight ends here. Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Tanner McKee, the safety. Oh boy, did we, uh, did we potentially screw ourselves with this trade back here? Because it looks like it's a lot of offensive players as the be- best Keep players going available. Out of the deck. All right, tackles, guards, the best defensive end, I believe, right here would be Mozzie Smith from Michigan. Is it B.J. Azulure from Ajulore from LSU? Ooh
1: yeah, Alari.
2: All right, he's
1: Aziz's so brother.
2: Okay, gotcha.
1: Smith's Interior. Okay, keep going down decks. Let's see. Let's see who else is here. You
2: got a linebacker out of Washington State. Dion. I do like him, but
1: he—he, he, I don't think he's going to go this high. Who—who sure. who, who else is down there?
2: Let's see here. We got. uh, I'm
1: going to have guys who are higher on my board that might be a little bit uh, further down here.
2: Emmanuel Forbes, uh, cornerback.
1: Forbes would be he he would be interesting here for the Vikings potentially. Uh, Edge
2: rusher out of USC. Potentially is not a ringing endorsement,
0: Thor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the um. Yeah, the we're 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 sort of stuck in no man's land with with some of these guys (laughs) because the guys who are really good, like like the guys that probably shouldn't be here. It's Bijan. It's Michael Mayer. There was one other guy up there at the top. Osiris Torrance shouldn't be either. The guard, Um, and maybe I would just (laughs) advocate for Osiris Torrance, even though guard wouldn't be the like the the you know one of the primary needs or whatever. But like those guys would at least. Maybe we should just take Bijan Robinson. So
0: Thor, Thor, what what does he bring too? Because like I'm. I'm anti, uh, I'm anti drafting a running back in the first round, but it sounds like he's more of a Swiss army knife type of guy. And if you're, if you're O'Connell, what would he bring that you probably lacked, um, in 2022?
1: Um, well, th- you're going to raise your upside, uh, at, at the position and then the versatility and people are going to say, you know, Delvin's versatile too. They're going to think of that swing pass against the, was it the Colts where he ran that thing 70 yards or whatever, but yep. Bijan's going to be able to do that, uh, play it and play out where, where you, you can swing them out. You, you can do that different stuff across the alignment and, and, and different stuff like that. The guy's so dang hard to tackle is, is the other thing. Uh, I, he, he, he might've set the PFF record for broken tackles. This past season, um, and, and so it, it's a guy that you can give the ball a bunch of. That's going to start to gas the defense, and he's he's going to just keep moving the chains, moving the chains, moving the chains. We're going to take. Should we take the halfback? I'm going to go. A, I'm going to go with Bijan here, and we can just make the assumption that that Delvin's been traded.
2: Okay. All right. So we took. A, <laughs> we took a running back here. All right. So the Vikings. because at
1: least at least that is good value there at 28, right, where sure. we're not reaching for someone else. Bijan shouldn't be available there, if, no matter what your your take is on running backs. At 28, Bijan Robinson's a good value.
2: All right, so the Vikings will be back on the clock here at pick 60, fellas, uh, just to look oh, at some names that went off the board We're going to get a here. good value here. Uh, we got cornerback. Uh, you got a safety, Sidney Brown. Running back, Jamar Gibbs. Uh, defensive line, edge rushers, wide receivers, tackles, cornerback. John Michael Schmitz goes to the Dolphins at pick 52. That's interesting. I hate to see that
0: happen. You know what, Thor? I, I actually think if this if this t- took place, and I don't think it's beyond the, uh, the um, peril that this could, uh, actually that the Vikings could trade back. I think if Bijan Robinson is there, I could see the Vikings actually trading back again and trading out mm-hmm. of the first round to get more picks if they don't for want him. Because sure. I think with a guy like that, there would definitely be teams that value him. Um, and boy, do I hate to see John Michael Schmitz not come here. He's my guy. <laughs>
1: One thousand percent, and and now with the names on the board here at our pick, uh, wh- what picker we were at? 50, we're at fifth,
2: f- f- uh, sixty. Actually, we're 60. at pick sixty.
1: There, there's so many more names here that that are like good values for this. Trenton Simpson would be a great pick here. Eli Rex would be good uh, for for the Vikes, a guy who whenever he's been on the field, uh, man cover corner on the outside, a, a long kid. Jack Campbell would be great for the, the whites too. That, 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 uh, another Iowa. Iowa kid. So I, I realize I'm a little bit, uh, yeah, the, the bias or whatever. But Jack Campbell, tackle machine and a huge kid too. Like super duper rangy. We're going to have to see how he tests uh, next week at the combine. But uh, I really like his game. You just want to see how he projects in terms of coverage. But it, it, zone coverage for sure. We know that, that he can do really well. Uh, but we'll just have to see about the athletic profile. Those guys absolutely worth it. Foskey, I actually think would be a good fit for uh, Flores. I don't think okay. he's a fit for everybody, but uh, the situational edge rushing is the three-four outside linebacker. I, I think he could do. It. I, I'd rather go with uh, uh, one of the linebackers. I think to pair them with Asamoah here because I, I just think it's a, a such good value. I, I think we go with Simpson here. Simpson
2: linebacker. Okay, I think so. Yeah, okay. we'll draft Simpson. We take him with the 60th overall pick.
1: He's by far the most athletic linebacker in the class. He's the linebacker one on most people's boards. You put him with Asamoah. You go from the league, arguably the least athletic linebacking core in the league, now to one of the most high-octane athletically linebacking cores in the league. All
2: right, so we got one more pick, I believe, in this mock. Pick 87. So we'll see what's left here. We got a linebacker. We got tackles. Defensive line, Parker Washington out of, out of Penn State. What do you know about him, Thor, wide receiver?
1: He would be the slot. He's a little bit on the shorter side. I think he's he's either 5'10 or 5'11, but he's 215 pounds, so he, he's a really stocky, well-built sort of slot. You, you have to manufacture touches for him uh, closer to line of scrimmage, but then he turns into a running back. He's not as much my flavor. Uh, I like the more explosive <laughs> slots that can win downfield, but if you like the guy where you can sort of facilitate the touches for him and then he breaks tackles, he, he would be your dude.
0: So, Thor, how, how about the uh, Texas interior defensive lineman? Because the, because I think that there's a fighting chance Dalvin Tomlinson is actually going to get paid elsewhere now. Uh, so you definitely would be trying to find help on the interior of the line. How about this kid?
1: Um, I, I wouldn't go with, with, with a Jomo quite here. Uh, I have mm-hmm. him rated a little bit lower, um, like an early day three kind of a thing. He was a kid that went to the Shrine game. As far as the Vikings, too, I, I wonder where he's going to measure in as far as, like, the length and the measurements. Because he, he's a kid at the Shrine game, he was six two and a half, two hundred ninety three 293 pounds. So I, I wonder, like, like, as far as how they're going to project him into that 3-4 front, he might just sort of uh, fall off their, wh- where they see their thresholds.
2: Fair enough. All
1: right, so what do you think we Um, should do here, fellas? Dex, go down a little bit more. I I want to see a couple more of those. Oh, man, Drew Sanders, he shouldn't be here either, but we already took our (laughs) linebacker. Yeah, it's too late. Have we we taken a a corner yet?
2: No, we have not.
1: Okay, we might have to take a corner then. Uh, Go down one more time.
2: Sure. We're going down here. We're down the 100, so we're in the potentially reach category. Uh, Kytrell Clark out of Louisville.
1: Okay, and the, the corners, um, oh, have we taken a receiver yet?
2: No, we have not. No. Oh, I, would, I would go Perry. receiver or cornerback here, personally.
1: Okay, um, w- the receivers above A.T. Perry, was did, did I miss here. any, am oh. I forgetting any? Oh, Parker Washington, we don't want. A.T. Perry would be really interesting across from Justin Jefferson because A.T. Perry is one of the bigger uh, receivers in this class who has legit uh, downfield ball skills. Uh, He's he is very underrated. He's been super-duper productive. People just, like, he gets discounted a little bit because he came from this wonky, slow-mesh offense at Wake Forest. But he made the plays with the ball in the air. So let's go with A.T. Perry there. I think he would work well across from Justin Jefferson. All right,
2: we'll take him, and this will wrap up the third round. uh, Three-round mock from PFF. We'll get a grade on these picks as well, I believe. They'll give us a little stamp of approval. Let's see how well Thor, Judd, and Dex did on this mock draft. They're grading it. We only get a C.
1: Oh, get out for of here. We're taking
2: a running back in uh, BJ Robinson. Oh. The trade oh, wow. we did with the Bengals oh, was just no. a C plus St. Cloud State uh, grade right there. Uh, let's see here. Lineback, we got an A minus. We got an A minus for yeah, Trenton Wood, yeah, yeah, uh, Simpson.
0: A.T. Perry But A.T. Perry
2: much. got a D. I mean, this is across the board a B minus wow. grade. Actually, I think that might be generous. It might be because of the Simpson A minus we got, but. A B-minus overall draft grade uh, for these three selections. How are going to give
1: selections? us a C for taking Bijan at 28? Like, he's, he's comped to, to Saquon. Saquon went in the, the top five. Come Mel on.
0: Kuyper's killing you right now, oh, for boy. It. <laughs> Mel oh, Kuyper's boy. absolutely down on your draft strategy. Unbelievable. Oh,
2: gosh. Uh, hey, Welcome
0: to the XFL, baby. Yeah, You're going seriously. to the XFL to work next. Uh, by the way,
2: check us out at the uh, Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show this weekend. It's a Purple Daily cabinet with Mackie and Judd. They'll be live from the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show uh, at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Go check it out. Go brave those elements. You know, shovel that driveway out, and then go check out uh, the Minnesota Golf Show with Mackie and Judd. Go talk some football, talk some Vikings with them. Go to minnesotagolfshow.com to tickets. and go to the Score North app as well uh, to get your tickets there. Go check out the 2023 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. All right, fellas. Judd, you got uh, anything else pressing here for Thor before we wrap up?
0: No, that it's fantastic. And uh, ne- next week, now when when are you going to be going to the combine next week? That's
1: right. I actually, my company trip is coincides with the combine, so unfortunately this year I, I have to duck out of the combine. But uh, we'll, we'll be watching you. it very closely from the company trip. <laughs> uh-huh. Awesome stuff. I love All it. All right,
0: sir. Well, well, we'll plan on talking next week, and we can uh, we can kick off what promises to be the most exciting pre-draft month. Which is the month of March. So, Kevin oh, Thor, thank can't you. Can't wait,
1: boys. Appreciate it. Talk All right. Bye
2: bye. Hit that subscribe button. Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. Write that down. Predictions uh, tomorrow on this YouTube channel. We just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die.